pollen count. Fuck your pollen. It's like itchy as hell when I was playing my Switch earlier. Even like focus. It was like making me irritated. And the game was already tough enough. So I was like, like <laughs> itching, but like trying to play the game. It was, it was horrible. Fuck, man. I hated it. Just, you just want to bathe in hydrocortisone. Yeah. So. It is the Super Clash Podcast, a podcast about shorter games. It is episode... 54. 54. I am your host, Kale. Hey, guess what? It's Connor again. And it's another Friday, and the sun is shining, and it's really bright outside because I'm facing a window. Yeah. And I'm just fucking glad it's Friday, man. It's been a week, and it was a short week, too. Yeah, we had the three-day weekend before this, and now it's like... I don't know. I just feel like exhausted. I don't know. Maybe just having that extra day just made me more tired. Yeah. And just this week just dragged. My And my gerbil brain is worse than usual, too, as a result. Yeah, I know. That just, maybe I didn't have enough caffeine today because I'm like, I feel like I'm like spacing out. Like I just want to like stare at a wall. Hopefully, yeah. uh, I can stay focused here, and uh... I I'm completely brain dead, man. Yeah. Like, and here's the thing: I was I was so excited to come in. It's gonna be a great episode. We have a lot of thoughts on um, the games we're talking about tonight, and this is around the time we usually like small talk and everything. And it's there's really nothing to talk about. I mean, because the the week just was your a- average week i woke up i went to work i cried <laughs> and i played the games and i went to bed yeah oh wait you know what we both did though we f- played the dlc to sniper elite 4 i wasn't gonna say that but yeah we also did that what, what were you gonna say just go on with this and i'll i'll, I'll mention <laughs> it after <laughs> Yeah, so Connor and I played the uh, the DLC to Sniper Elite 4 after finishing the main story. Um, there are, I think, f- four DLCs? Yeah, there's a three-parter and then the... The Target, Target Fuhrer. Yeah. I would have to say that Target Fuhrer was probably my favorite. Yeah, well, I don't know. It didn't have a lot of substance to it. I'll say that. And which, which I will talk about um, in a little bit, but... Project Deathstorm was basically like you you basically had to dismantle like a plan that the Germans were were putting together. Yeah. Codename Deathstorm. Yeah. It, whatever German for Deathstorm is. So I don't know. But it was a lot of fun and as usual, Connor and I played Sniper Elite in probably the worst way you can. Or the best way. It was definitely the most fun way. <laughs> Just running and gunning. I think we probably killed hundreds of Nazis. It was <laughs> it was great. Yeah. And, but Target Fuhrer, it was basically just, we played it the way we usually play it, but it was meant to be played as a Hitman level. Once we got into the compound that Hitler was in, I took the shot and hit him directly in the head from 300 meters away. It was a great shot. Yeah, yeah. But, and then we had to run our gun our way out. Um, I went back to it after we played and played a little bit on on my own. 
And there are multiple ways you can kill Hitler. You don't necessarily need to just snipe him. Um, he follows a pattern, and the person over the intercom will announce what he's doing for ev for everyone to know because it's their fear, you know? Mm. Uh, like, Hitler is going to make a speech um, in this location. Hitler is, is inspecting the U-boats. Hitler is inspecting the torpedoes. And you can use use this as well as tracking him to kill him in different ways. The second time I played, um, I had the right angle for the torpedoes. Hmm. And so I shot the lock holding the torpedoes in. They go tumbling down. Apparently they were armed and they exploded, killing Hitler. Basically viscerating him. Oh, yeah. I, I eviscerated him and like four other Nazis, so I ended up getting, like, a five a five kill. Damn. So, and then I then I snuck out. I almost snuck out without anyone noticing me, but it was just at the last second when they noticed me. Oh. So, but that's essentially how you're supposed to play that level, is you can crush him with a U-boat, you can shoot him in the testicles, you can shoot him while he, get, while he gives a speech, and that's basically what um, that level is designed to do and it's, it's to increase uh replayability so i see it's as much fun as it is uh with a team or with uh playing co-op i would i would argue that maybe it's meant to be played by yourself so you can to complete these these objectives so All that and then you know only one person gets to kill him basically yeah we can say that we're completely done with sniper elite four Yes. And just in time for Sniper Elite 5. And you and I just played this for a little bit. We only played maybe like two levels. Yeah. There's not much new mechanics in terms of the game gameplay with a few things. Um, the x-ray camera is a lot more detailed. And apparently you can shoot people in the limbs and it affects how they move. That, yeah. that's, a new, that's a new thing. I did like that. And there's also new starting locations, too. You can, like, light these bonfires, and you can choose to start there if you were to replay the mission. So Yeah, I noticed that, they're, they're They're definitely leaning into the Hitman formula a little bit, which I think works really well for a Sniper Elite game. Yeah. I just... My problem with that game is it still seems buggy to me mm. because I had two major issues, first of which the game just, like, straight up just hard crashed to the PlayStation menu. That was not great. Um, and then secondly, I got caught in a reload loop with my rifle. Not once, but every single time mm -hmm. we respawned on this level. Like we were trying to like get into this fortress or castle or whatever you want to call it. And outside of it, I would go to reload my sniper rifle and it would just get caught in that reload animation over and over and over again and it just never would reload. And so I basically didn't have my primary weapon and so we would die mm. every single time. It definitely needs some patches. Yeah. So, but I don't think I've ever played a Sniper Elite game that was buggy though, which is the weird part. Yeah, this, this definitely has a bit more jank than previous uh, entries, but... Do you think they got just a little, like, maybe too ambitious and then didn't go back and test it as much? Probably, but yeah. it'll probably fix some patches. I'm I'm, I'm hoping to get um, some, de 
um, DLCs with more guns because there are surprisingly there's a surprisingly low amount of guns in this game in the base game. Yeah, I don't really like that because the weapon choices so far aren't great. What I do like is the customization. They've really cranked that up. Oh, yeah, it's great. But I don't like how, like, all the gun choices are kind of meh. The only thing I'd say is improved is the pistols because you're not stuck with the... Uh, well, Rod. Yeah, in the beginning. Like, you are in, like, every other game. Yeah. So, but overall, like, we, we might have the try to play some of it this weekend but depending on what we need to play uh for the next episode we might not have time so with that out of the way what was it you were gonna say i was gonna say we both watched stranger things season four oh, part that's one. right yeah what'd you think i really liked it um it's interesting to see the direction they're going with it it's it, like it's so much different than the previous seasons mm -hmm. and I don't know. Uh, I feel like it ended on kind of a cliffhanger. I wish they didn't do this season in two parts. Yeah, I would agree. Because I I finished that last episode, and I was just like, all right, give me more. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, I want to see what happened. You can't just drop it here. And it didn't even feel that conclusive for, like, a mid-season hiatus or anything. Right. It just seemed like they were meaning to just continue on after that. So. Yeah, I don't know what the logic was, but... We have to wait a month, unfortunately. Gross. I don't like yeah. that. So, but that's basically all the stuff outside of the games that we've been playing. Uh, the games we're going to be talking about tonight are, it is our, I don't know, uh, The Gardens Between and Project Warlock. But before we get into that, Connor, let's get physical. Oh boy, we got a lot of physical tonight. Let's get physical, baby. Oh yeah. So let me bring up my uh, list here. You didn't come prepared? I did, but I had to unlock my thing, but the mic was in the way and the face ID, you know, the words. <sighs> anyway, uh, so starting out this week, um, it technically came out last week, but the Evercade EXP Black Limited Edition handheld uh, came up for pre-order, comes out this winter. It retails for approximately $225, and it's a fun stock exclusive, so it's exclusive to their website and limited to only 5,000 units. That said, they will, uh, down the line, have a, a regular version of this system. It just isn't going to include all of the stuff that this one comes with. So this bundle includes the console, uh, the iRim Arcade 1 game, the Toa Plan Arcade 1 game, a hardcover carry case, certificate of authenticity, art cards, key ring, poster, and bonus content to be announced this September. The difference between this Evercade handheld and the other is that this one has a high-resolution IPS screen, a glass bezel, built-in Wi-Fi, and a Tate mode for vertical games. So you can flip the console horizontally and play it that way if you want to play like an arcade game. That's really cool. Oh, yeah. And this one has USB-C charging, so it's not... Uh, the other one I had micro-USB... And it supports all Evercade games, not just these regular ones, but the arcade ones that previously only played on the console. That's so, really cool. Yeah. Pre-orders are open now, so if anybody wants to try to get in there and get one of the first 5,000 units, mm -hmm. definitely hop on that. I went ahead and I pre-ordered it and because uh, I, I really like my Evercade, and so I figured this would be a cool addition. Mm -hmm. So... 
Moving on, we have Witchwood from Super Rare Games. It retails for approximately $37. It's only going to be on Switch, and there's only going to be 4,000 copies made. And Witchwood is a game set in an expressive land of gothic fables and fairy tales. As the mysterious old witch of the woods, you'll explore a strange countryside, collect magical ingredients, brew sorcerous enchantments, and pass your twisted judgment upon a capricious cast of characters and creatures. This release includes a manual, sticker, and three-card pack, and the pre-orders open June 9th. Nice. So that one kind of slipped in. Mm-hmm. The day that we're recording it here, so yeah. I threw that on the list. That's super rare. Does that to you, man? Yeah, we're just gonna have to announce them as we can, just because they, they usually release their uh, new game or information on their new games like midway through a Friday. Mm-hmm. So it's like, eh. but the so, n- so if if anyone at Super Rare is listening, by some chance, just announce it on Thursday. Yeah, exactly. So please. <laughs> Uh, the next release is A Boy and His Blob. This is $35, and it's available on Switch and PS4. It's at Limited Run Games. And this is WayForward's reimagining of David Crane's NES Classic and is a side-scrolling puzzle platformer beloved by children and adults alike. In the game, players control a young boy as he works with the friendly blob to traverse the environment, defeat enemies, and solve puzzles using bravery, wit, and a few jelly beans. Travel from Earth to Blobonia in a beautiful 2D hand-drawn animated journey. There's also a collector's edition available for 65, and that includes a soundtrack, reversible poster, and dust sleeve. Pre-orders for this one end June 12th. Awesome. I have played this game before on PC. Mm-hmm. I do want to give it another shot, but it was very clunky, I will say. Like it the mechanics are very dated. So uh mm. that said. Uh, moving on to the next one, we have Liege Dragon for $35. It's available on PS4 in limited quantities of only 1,500 units or on PS5. There's no pre-order limit on that. It's a limited run games exclusive. And in this game, you engage with hordes of monsters in turn-based battles and make use of sorcery stones to learn skills. Attack enemies as a team using unison triggered by the bonds between the allies. There are even more to enjoy in this magical adventure, such as various quests, weapons to upgrade, and a monster guide to complete. And pre-orders for this one end June 12th. Nice. I'm, I'd be excited for that monster guide. I always like um, anything that has like good art of monsters. That's why I love the Dungeons & Dragons monster manual. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the next release... Man, we're, there's a lot of limited run games releases. <laughs> man. Is... Contra Anniversary Collection uh, retails for approximately $35, and it's available on Switch and PS4, limited run games exclusive. The Contra Anniversary Collections brings the classic run-and-gun franchise back to the modern platforms and a new generation of players. There's a classic edition available for $65 that includes a silver box, soundtrack CD, poster, and retro dust sleeve. You can also purchase the Ultimate Edition for $175, which includes everything that's in the Classic Edition, plus a steelbook, acrylic standee, enamel pen, lenticular art print, mini replica flying capsule, the History of Contra hardcover book, and metal keychain. Pre-orders end June 12th. All righty. Moving on. We have Astro Aqua Kitty Possum Collection. Like awesome, but with a paw. Mm Mm-hmm. 
This is approximately $35, available on Switch only. It's a limited run games exclusive currently, but it is a distributed title, so it may come to other retailers. It just depends if they choose to sell it on Amazon or Best Buy or wherever. The Aqua Kitty Cats have launched into space in an all-new RPG shoot-em-up adventure. You pick your crew, then blast off to investigate mysterious water-filled asteroids. This game includes Astro Aqua Kitty and Aqua, Qu Aqua Kitty UDX. An OST bundle is also available for $55, which includes a CD soundtrack and stickers. Pre-orders in June 12th. Oh, man, we still got four left. There's so Damn, many. Damn, dude. I know. There's a lot of games. J June is a big month for games. Mm-hmm. So the next one uh, is Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song. This game is $50. It's available on the Series X, PS4, PS5, and Switch. And it's a wide release. You can get it anywhere. Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song is a narrative RPG in which your every choice in which every choice you make determines the fate of the three characters and of Boston Camarilla. Play as three vampires, wield their powers wisely, and strike the right balance between your human and animal side in a heart-pounding story in which your choices will decide the fate of Boston. Will you choose intimidation, seduction, or stealth? Game releases on June 14th. Very nice. Have you heard anything about that one? I haven't. It seems really cool. Mm -hmm. But uh, the next one is the House of the Dead Remake Limited Dead Edition. I got really confused. Cause I'm, I'm following along on the computer, and I thought you sped, spelled limited wrong. Nah, limited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this release is $40. It's only on Switch, and it's a wide release. You can get it anywhere. The famous zombie shooter is back in the House of Dead remake, Limited Dead Edition on Nintendo Switch. Renew with the spirit. My words, man, I, I need to type better. Renew with the spirit of arcade from the 90s with this remake of this iconic shooter. That doesn't make any sense. I, uh, alone or with a friend, fight against zombies and nightmare creatures with this gory and uninhibited zombie shooter. This includes an exclusive box with lenticular cover two character stands, and a sticker sheet. It releases June 14th. If you got any of that any from, of that. from Connor's typing. For my for the record, <laughs> I pulled that directly from GameStop's listing, so they <laughs> typed it like a doofus. <laughs> um, okay, I'll give you this pass just once, though. Thank you. The last two, uh, the first one is Baba Is You for $35. Only on Switch and is a somewhat wide release. Uh, Fan Gamer is releasing it. I saw it at a couple retailers, but not all of them. So, uh, Baba is You is a puzzle game where you change the rules by which you play. And every level, the rules are are present as the rules are present as blocks you can interact with. Interesting. By manipulating them, you can change how the level works and cause surprising, unexpected interactions. With some simple block pushing, you can turn yourself into a rock, turn patches of grass into dangerously hot obstacles, and even change the goal you need to reach to something entirely different. Releases June 17th. Do these sites not proofread what, what their descriptions are? Bro, I pulled most of these. Well, the Limited Run Games ones weren't too bad, but these but ones I, from GameStop I, I know, I know it's like... not you, but I'm following along. It's like, I'm not... I'll, I'll flat out say, I'm not the greatest writer either. Like, my wife writes the descriptions <laughs> for the episodes, but I'm these, gonna have to double check these, these now. These people need to fucking proofread their descriptions. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to going forward start double checking their stuff. 
But uh, the last one is Omori. It's $35, available on Switch and PS4. It's another fan gamer release, so, you know, your mileage may vary. You can find it at different retailers. And this game, you explore a strange world full of colorful friends and foes. When the time comes, the path you've chosen will determine your fate, and perhaps the fate of others as well. Releases June 17th. All right. I know, it was a lot. That was a lot. Are you, do you need a break? Yeah, all right, we're going to call it. No, yeah. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So with that massive amount of games out of the way, let's just go ahead and dive right into our two games. Let's start with let's start with The Gardens Between, Connor. Um, this is a puzzler developed by the Voxel Agents released in 2018. You can beat this in about two and a half hours, and you can get it for PC, PC and Mac, Xbox, PlayStation, Sw- Switch, iOS, and surprisingly, Stadia. Interesting. Yeah. Who, who Do you remember fucking Stadia? Who plays Stadia? <laughs> exactly. And so basically, this is a puzzler. Um, the, the story is two friends sneak into their treehouse during a rainstorm, only be, to be transported to a dream ocean consisting of everything they've done together because one friend appears to be moving away. Okay. Kind of the, the catch of this game is that you can manipulate times. You can change the results of the events on the puzzles to create ramps, bridges, and move light spheres. Mm-hmm. Um, and each character kind of has a different role into solving these puzzles. Um, the girl who I, apparently these, these characters have names. Yeah, I think they do. Um, I don't know if they explicitly say it. No, they, I, I, in my research, I found what they were. The girl, um, arena or arena, I believe is how you say it. She carries a lamp and uses it to catch the light fear spheres. And she can set the lamp on moving blocks to solve puzzles. And these and these mo- these these blocks will hop around like they're sentient, and and go to different levels. But you need the sphere that carried in the lamp to move on to the next level. Yes. Whereas the boy Frent, I believe is how you say it, um, he pulls wind chimes to open flowers containing light spheres, and also manipulates the environment to make elevators, bridges, etc. He is the main person to change the flow of the t- of time and the sequence of events. Yes. So, um, and so these puzzles, for the most part, they're challenging, while the solutions are still pretty clear to you with just just a few tries. Um, this is nothing like ever for- forward, where they they do teach you the mechanics very very easily and it's and it's really easy to pick up to uh, to pick it up i'd argue that the game doesn't really have much of a challenge it was very easy like mm-hmm. like I, I mentioned before that not only did the audio start putting me to sleep but honestly the gameplay started putting me to sleep it was just so simple and and basic and i was like I didn't really feel much of a challenge to any of the puzzles. Mm-hmm. There were, there were a couple puzzles that I thought were really clever. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the, there was the level with the computer, you know, to where you like, you had like this old, like Macintosh, like computer and, and like a number pad. And the two characters would, would hop on a num on numbers in a sequence. And you had to later in the level, 
um, as you manipulate time, see what the code is, and then change uh, time backwards and forwards to type in the correct code in order to progress. I thought like the puzzles that contain that mm-hmm. were super clever and well done. I, 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 that was probably my favorite puzzle in that because it was just really clever. I think I liked the one where you have to get power to this TV and uh, start this video game mm-hmm. and the cube hops into the TV, turns into a video game character, and then hops back out. Yeah, th- there were some a lot of really um, good highlights of this game. Um, there were there was one solution I thought was a little odd, and that was, I think, the second to last puzzle with the telescope where you had to angle the moon all the way to the left and then position the camera in order to capture the light. Yeah, that one was weird. That one was really weird. That's the only time you ever had to um, use the camera for a solution. Yeah. I mean, it it got bad enough with that one. I I had to look up the solution to that because I was trying everything that the game taught me in order to solve solve it, and nothing was, um, was working. Gotcha. So, um, as you said, this game is, despite it being two and a half hours, it is very slow paced. Yeah. Um, and it's too relaxing. Yeah. Especially in contrast to the next game, um, Project Warlock. Um, the aesthetic of this game has a very dreary and rainy feel. It's always raining. Mm-hmm. And with us just getting out of a week straight of rain, yeah, <laughs> it was it was pretty dreary. Plus, I mean, for I don't know about you, but for me, I play a lot of games uh, at night. So, like, when I'm laying in bed, you know, I played this game on the Switch. I think you did as well. Mm-hmm. And so I was laying in bed playing the game on the Switch, and I was just honestly just dozing off as I was playing it. Mm-hmm. That's... I had to pretty much, uh, I, I put it down for that night when I started getting too tired. And then the next day, I just had to kind of like force myself to stay awake through it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a really good thing about a game, you know, it, it, that it puts you to sleep. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Overall, though, uh, I think I really, I, despite all, all this weird stuff and the fact that it was really relaxing, I liked this game enough to yeah like to, to point where like i'm glad i played it um i actually bought it when it was on sale it was like what two dollars on on the uh, nintendo store at the time when i bought it um and it's well worth worth it when it's on sale in my opinion yeah i bought the physical release from super rare and honestly for as short as it was i think if i had known that it was going to be this short and this kind of i don't know tiring to play <laughs> I probably wouldn't have bought it because I think it was probably around thirty from that, you know. Yeah, but what what would you rate this game? <sighs> Visually, the game looked fine. The mechanics were interesting enough, and they kind of taught you how to play the game well enough. So I don't have any complaints on that end. From an entertainment side, I was not incredibly entertained with it, so I'd probably give it like a seven. That's about how I, how I would put it, too. Like, it's a competent game, mm-hmm. and it's got some unique puzzles and stuff. But at the same time, you didn't really care about any of the characters because you didn't they didn't establish any backstory for them in the beginning. No. And you're just doing things. And then when you're done doing things, the two characters part ways, and that's it. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I... 
I probably liked it a little bit more than you did, so I would probably give it like a 7.5. Okay. So, because I, I generally just kind of like um, really clever puzzles, stuff like that, so. That's fair. Um, but yeah, that's Gardens Between. Uh, if, if it sounds interesting at all to you guys, go ahead and, and pick it up, if it's on sale at least. Um, let's move on. And I think we have a little bit more to talk about with the next game than this one. Project Warlock. This is uh, developed by Buckshot Software, released in 2020. You can generally beat this in seven hours if you're rushing. And you can get, and you can get this for PC, Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch. Yeah. So I have a confession to make here, Connor. Mm-hmm. I've played this game a bit the first time, around the time when I got my Switch. Mm-hmm. And I got to around the around like the fourth world i believe i i got on my switch and and saw where i was at um but with the new format i really wanted a reason to go back and finish it but Mm -hmm. i but i still started it over so to kind of just refresh my memory on it so but what this game is it's a it's like a classic doom-like shooter with 16-bit graphics and everything um i believe 16-bit um, this doesn't have a story, but the appeal is the gameplay loop, is essentially. Um, it has a story. A little bit. I, I can't tell you what it was about. Uh, yeah, you'd have to read the, the cutscenes between each world. But <laughs> Who yeah. reads anymore? <laughs> eh, that's not what you play these games for. Yeah, for real. Um, so you play as a warlock. Big surprise. So you have magic abilities along with an arsenal of powerful weapons. What stands out from this um, compared to other Doom-like games is that it has RPG elements. Now, I understand that like games like Doom Eternal had RPG elements. You could like, upgrade your, your, your Praetor suit and everything. But this is deeper. You can upgrade your health, ammo capacity, strength for melee, and mana. Um, you pick up treasures for XP and upgrade points to purchase weapons and upgrades and magic abilities. Every five levels that you that you gain, you get perk points to unlock perks to give you further advantages. Like, for example, picking up two two more shells in a standard ammo uh, shotgun ammo pickup. Um, weapon you can upgrade weapons. They have two options to upgrade. Each one will grant a different style of gameplay. Mm-hmm. For example, the double barrel shotgun will will have an option to shoot four shells at once, or I believe red hot pellets that will light enemies on fire. Yeah. Um. So what's really cool about this game is that with all this stuff, uh, it opens potentials for builds. So if you want a more melee focused warlock, you can do that. If you want a run and gun gunner that focuses on the shotgun, you can do that. If you want to use just magic you can do that and so it 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 offers a lot more replayability than other doom like games um there's a couple issues with this though before i get into that though uh you would also navigate a series of short levels finding secrets and killing lots of monsters just like classic doom a level can have one to four stages and after completing all the stages, you're transported back to your workshop, and that's where you upgrade uh, we- your weapons and unlock abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, these levels can be completed about three to seven minutes. They're very short. Yeah, there's just a lot of them. Um, generally, it's longer if you're looking for secrets and taking your time. 
And honestly, they can be very hard to navigate through. Yeah, some I've, of them are like a labyrinth. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've gotten lost several times. What's also interesting about this game is that each world, I should, I use in quotation marks, is a completely different aesthetic. There is a medieval aesthetic. There's an Arctic aesthetic. There's a futuristic aesthetic. There's an Egypt one. An Egypt, yes. Thank you. Uh, I can't believe I forgot about that one. And all the enemies that you fight are kind of tied to that theme, but they function basically the same, more or less. So... The Yeti in the Arctic level is basically the same thing as the Skeleton Knight in the Medieval level who charges at you and takes swipes. The Glacier Mage in the Arctic um, level is like the Demoness in, in the Medieval level, with the only difference is that the Mage can create a barrier with its ice block that's encased in when it dies, so it almost, almost creates a... Um, an area of denial that you need to destroy that as well. Yeah, and there's a so, huge variety of, of it, enemies per world. There's a massive, world. a massive variety. Um, and once you get into the game, it is a lot of fun. However, there is a massive caveat to this game that Connor and I both agree. All right, it is frustratingly tough at the beginning. Your weapons feel ineffective, and there's not enough ammo, health, or mana. And if you die, it's right at the beginning of the stage. Yep. There's no checkpoints in this game. Um, and you can even die at the last second because of the evil door blocking the exit. Yeah. You have no idea how frustrating it is to, to make your way through these early levels only to be killed literally at the last seconds. Dude, if I got to the end of a level and had like a smidgen of health left, I was paranoid. I was just like, oh, God, oh, God, please don't let the door kill me. Yeah. What makes this so frustrating as well is that if you play it on normal, you have lives. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't have lives on casual, but um, you can pick up additional lives. Uh, if you die, uh, you lose a life and it's back to the stage. Mm-hmm. But if you die and lose all your lives, you have to start that particular level all over again. Yeah. So um, it's punishing, not as punishing as Xeno Crisis, of course. Yeah. But the beginning levels is almost backwards. You almost feel like they need to present you with plenty of ammo and mana health so you can kind of get the flow of the game and get more powerful and then kind of reduce that as the game goes on and you get more powerful. Yeah, It makes no sense. And you almost tapped out because you couldn't get past the first level. I died about 10 times on that first level. And for for scale here... Throughout the entire rest of the game I played, the most I think I died on a level is maybe two or three. Exactly. Like, and that's insane. That uh, The further I got in the game, the better I did. And it's mm-hmm. like, but it's so off-putting to somebody just starting the game. Like, I can imagine somebody buys this game on sale, plays through the first level, dies a whole bunch of time, says this game's stupid, and drops it, and stops playing it. Yeah, and which is kind of heartbreaking because once you kind of get past um, those levels, you you get your pistol, you get your ballista, you you start understanding how the dynamite works and everything, Mm -hmm. and you start, especially with the shotgun, it becomes a lot of fun. You feel like like an utter badass going into a room with upgraded shotguns, giving enemies, and setting traps with the bombs. I think... 
the game actually opens up and becomes more manageable the moment you get your first revolver. Yes. Like that that was the point where it clicked for me and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. now I'm getting through levels. Yeah. And and a lot of the upgrades of the weapons, they feel really good with a, with a few exceptions. Um a little PSA do not go the nail gun route with the SMG. I didn't do that. I was afraid it would damage you. It does. Ah, that's the, what I was the, worried about. The, Glad rico- I didn't. the ricochet damages you. And also, another PSA, don't choose the frag grenades uh, as the upgrade to the dynamite. Because I chose that. Because it has a lingering effect with, with um, fragmentations. It can hurt enemies over time, but hurts you as well. It's not good for confined areas. That's why I was taking some damage. I didn't yeah. know about that. And which is which is frustrating because there's no perk uh, in your perk list that makes you immune to, you, to your own damage. I think it could work if there was a perk, unintentional rhyme, uh, if there was something like that. Yeah, I didn't like the fact that you could injure yourself with explosive things. Because I can't tell you the number of times I would go to like throw a, a grenade or dynamite or whatever. And some dipstick creature would hop out in front of me. It would the bounce off second. them and yep. it would kill me mm-hmm. overall though like it's it's still a really fun game and the music by the way is really really good i do love the music like i, I need to play a uh my favorite track after we're done recording because the first time i heard it i was humming it in my head all day yeah i have i have a mental list of all the good and the bad from this game that kind of if if the bad didn't exist this game would be a 10 out of 10 for me. Yeah, mm, I, I would completely agree with you as well. Um, another thing, and this is, and I'm not sure if this is a, a nitpick. Uh, when we go back to when we were talking about the levels and how the levels have different aesthetics, mm-hmm. um, nearly everything changes in that level. Um, even what the health and the mana look like. Yes. And I, I don't like this, personally. You don't like I thought it was unique. No, because, for example, like, the health and mana in the Egypt level are hieroglyphics. Yes. Um, I'm fine with the treasures t- t- taking, or uh, changing looks, you know? That, that, that makes sense. But in my opinion, it things as important as health and mana should remain the same so the, e- so the player can easily spot it. I think the the caveat to that is they at least stayed the same color scheme, I think. They were kind they, of like yeah. a reddy orange and then you had like a blue thing. And the blue mm-hmm. thing was the mana, the reddy orange was the health. Yeah, which I yeah, I get. Uh, but they already keep the the ammo the same, yeah. you know. I I'd, I'd say if I had to I actually liked that. I'd say if I had to pick out my positives from this game, it would be the Overall enemy variety. Every new level you went to didn't feel like a reskin, and it didn't ever feel like the enemy types wore out their welcome because they would constantly introduce new creatures mm-hmm. throughout. And if you get to the uh, final set of levels, that's when you really get an appreciation for it because what happens is they combine all the stuff that you've you've before Mm -hmm. so you're playing through a a hellscape version of egypt or a hellscape version of antarctica and so now you have the the demons from one with the creatures that you fought in antarctica or the the mummy kind of creatures from egypt and then the demons with them so that part 
I really, really liked. I liked the weapon variety, and I thought overall, like the killing the enemies was super satisfying. Oh yeah, and that's those are the parts that I love and like kept me interested in, in playing further. The parts I didn't like, I would say, would be th- that first level. Like fuck that first level. That was awful a bad way to start man I, I i texted you with a whole bunch of tips and i don't know if they paid off or not i was straight up like mad at that point like i was just like <laughs> really and when i got through it the, the as i said once you get the first pistol then everything is relatively smooth sailing from there there's challenge yes the game's hard for sure but it, it was after that point i was like all right i got this now and i would say there are some performance problems with the game I on multiple oh, occasions yeah. the frame rate dropped to probably single digits. Like it was like I was firing the minigun and it was when really? it was you ran into yes. that? Yes. I never ran into that issue. Multiple times. I I so the first time it happened was on I want to say the robot one of the robot levels. I entered a big room and the frame rate just tanked. The other one was on the final boss. The final boss has four phases, at least four phases, at least. Um, so I got all the way to the final boss. I will con- confess that I got, I beat the first wave boss. I beat the second wave boss. I beat the third wave boss. The fourth wave boss, um, he kicked my ass. And here's why. Uh, the game, so how do I say this? So the third wave of the boss, which is like a Carcano devil or Carcano Satan, something like that, mm-hmm. he spawns all of the enemies that you're, you fought throughout the game. And he will endlessly spawn them. So if you're trying to kite him and hit him and also avoid all these enemies, you could have dozens and dozens of enemies on screen at once. And what that does is it completely just tanks the frame rate almost unplayably so that's what i hit and so i was shooting and i'm not even joking the minigun which is supposed to be like the fastest firing gun or the smgs they were just like you know that slow and so that's my biggest problem and honestly i don't know if i'll be able to beat the final boss if he keeps doing that because the frame rate is it's Normally does not bother me in a game, but like when it gets that bad, it's very hard to play. And what I will say is on the the subject of things I don't like, I don't think the boss should have four fucking phases and they're hard too. They are. Each of the phases are hard. Mm -hmm. Even the earlier bosses are pretty difficult for your level. So imagine four of those plus the, uh, the final two phases are spawning in enemies constantly Mm -hmm. and the resources fairly plentiful for the first two bosses, but you pretty much exhausted them by the third or fourth, like no health left, no mana left, no ammo left. You're Mm -hmm. just tick, 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 just barely ticking away. And you can't even hit the boss because he's hoarded all of these little mini creatures around him. So you're just like shooting into a crowd. Mm -hmm. And so, as much as I want to beat the game, I'm wondering if I even can be it, you know, just difficulty wise or even just performance wise, if I'll be able to. Yeah. But um, 
believe it or not, there's actually a sequel in the works right now. Really? Yeah, and it's heading to early access in June 2022. Hmm. So, and so this month, I'd I'd be interested in to see what they what they change if there's any like improvements. Hopefully, the the first level is not as like brutally punishing as this one. I wish they'd go back and patch this one. Yeah, patch the few things I mentioned. You know, like if if the frame rate drops, don't spawn as many enemies. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know. But it's it's been oh gosh, I can't remember when this game was released. Twenty twenty. It's been two years. Yeah, and they're not going to patch anything. I I doubt they're going to do anything about it now, especially since they're working on the sequel. And also, there's no reason that a game that's this low res, intentionally so, but this low res should drop to single digit frame rates on a yeah. even on a switch. Like, mm. I don't want to hear the argument. Oh, the switch is underpowered. It doesn't matter. That that does not matter. No. That would matter if maybe this was Doom Eternal. Yeah, but it's it's not. It's it's a pixelated you know dungeon crawly shooter thing it makes you wonder how it'll run on pc i would hope it would run better but but the nice thing about pc is you can have cheats which if you have this on pc and you get frustrated with the first level definitely unlock cheats to unlock the weapons just to get through the first level yeah definitely because i was looking up cheats um to see if they work they're not on the console version yeah which is a bummer mm-hmm. so but that's project warlock uh at this moment, I know you haven't beaten it yet, Connor. Um, what would you rate it at? It, I really mulled this over for a while. I'd honestly think if my only issues are really basically with the first level and with the very last level, I'd still have to give it an eight because the journey through it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of creativity, a lot of different characters, and I love the idea of like bringing all these enemy types you fought throughout the game back for like the final few levels. And so, yeah, I'd give it an eight. I would generally uh, do that too. Like I love the fast paced uh, gameplay. I absolutely adore the, um, the RPG elements and the option for builds. That's, mm-hmm. that's, I find that to be super exciting and it encourage it encourages me to want to go back to the beginning and actually try to make a build because I I never mess with magic in this game, uh, in this playthrough. I couldn't figure out how to use it. And so I, I, I'm gonna be honest. I only figured out how to do the the light thing. You have to like, uh, yeah. Like, how do you change your magic ability? I'm not sure. That that that's I couldn't figure it out. So, but I I want to see what I, I a pure magic build is going to be like, or maybe a melee shotgun, you know, super, super uh, CQC, just just to see how it plays. And, you know, I'm also kind of excited to see what the second game is going to hold. Um, it Since it's coming into early access, it'll be for PC only. I might buy it and see. Yeah. But I really do think that this this plays best on Switch, just just how it looks. I think it's a, it's a really good game for the switch the only caveat is because of the art style it's really hard to play in bright light like oh, you yeah. cannot see the screen at all in bright light like yeah. you have to play it in like a, a mid to dark room mm-hmm. which by the way this game looks great on the oled i bet oh it's yeah. beautiful so i was just playing it on the standard switch <laughs> i didn't play it on my light because i wanted to use my special grippies yeah um i i I wanted to play it on my light because I, I have those special grippies on my light, but I really wanted to see what this was, what this was going to be like on the OLED. 
and and at some point I'm gonna get the uh, the Skull and Co for my for my OLED, but everything's on back order. I probably wouldn't get it till like August. Did you notice though in the menus you can change the graphics of the game? I was about to say something like that. Yeah, yeah you can make it look like Commodore sixty four Game Boy. Mm-hmm. So I guess this game would be sixty four bit, wouldn't it? If it's a Commodore, 64. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I I was wrong. So, uh, don't don't at me. I, I uh, you can send him an ad. It's fine. No, no, fuck you. <laughs> so okay, so and that basically just does it for the this this episode and these two games. Um, next week. I'm not prepared. Give me a second. Let me let me go to our schedule, Connor. What I do we got here? I can tell you what it is. I beat you to it. Okay, go ahead. Next week we're gonna do uh, my big sister. Uh-huh. Would you you can get this for PlayStation Vita, I believe Switch, and Shovel Knight. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. Kale's afraid of Shovel Knight. He thinks it's gonna be too hard. Excuse me. He said he told me guys in private. Don't 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 listen to him. I'll show you something hard after we're done recording. Help me, please. Someone said help. <laughs> I'm excited to play these games. I, I've never played Shovel Knight, but I've heard like glowing reviews of it. I've only played, uh, shamefully, I've only played like the first quarter to half of it, but I've played it on like so many different platforms. So like I'd play it on PlayStation because they had um, Kratos in it on the PlayStation. Really? Or, you know, I played it on Switch. I played it on 3DS, which is actually what I'm going to review it on. I'm gonna play it on 3DS since I'm giving you my Switch copy to borrow. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's on like every platform, and still very expensive. Yeah, and they, the cool thing about that game was, I bought the the very base game on. Oh God, where did I get it on? I think I. Oh no, I got a gift it, uh, for Shovel Knight. I got the very base game on the 3DS, and then. What they did was, as new DLC and expansions came out, they gave it to you for free. That's awesome. So, you know, you don't necessarily, if you already owned the game, you didn't have to buy all that new DLC coming out, which is great. So, mm-hmm. and I noticed you thought there were like four versions of this game. Well, because what, what, what's interesting is when I looked it up on the uh, n- the Nintendo store, it said Shovel Knight and like, tre- like Treasure Trove Edition and then Shovel Knight Dungeon Edition. And there were, there were different editions. That's why I got confused. Yeah. Treasure Trove has, like, all the DLC. Yeah. So I think all the versions, if you owned it previously, I think the 3DS version I have upgraded to Treasure Trove. And the one I'm letting you borrow is Treasure Trove. And it includes, like, um, gosh, there's, like, two or three expansions in it. Mm-hmm. But for the sake of this, we'll probably just play the base game. But yeah, they added co-op and stuff, too, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So... But that'll just about do it for us, guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And I'm sleepy and very hot right now. I am too because it's it's very hot in this room right now. Yeah, and not in the good way. No, in the sweaty way. <laughs> and not in the good way in that either. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.